A little warning, in this episode, we are discussing a show that deals with very adult themes, so viewer and listener discretion is advised. Welcome to your movie hour, a film and television podcast that creates space in Adventism for deep discussion of pop culture. Before I talk too much about what we're doing, we're going to introduce the people uh, whose voices you'll be hearing. And these are our questions, the things that we are responding to. Uh, Your name, your occupation, something you care deeply about and why. And finally, your favorite character in the show, Stranger Things. I will start out and then I'll pass to our co-host, Heather. Oh, I gave your name away. Sorry about that. (laughs) That's all right. uh, I forgive you. Oh, thank you. And uh, we'll just go around. We also have a special guest with us. Hey, hey. Oh, you're going to know the name of that beneficent voice. That is for sure. All right. So my name is Johnny. I am a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. And something I care deeply about is uh, life integration. And and what I mean by that is that um, we would be... Uh, consistent people uh, that one part of what we do um, wouldn't be so disconnected um, from all the other parts of what we do. And to a certain extent, that's why I'm involved in this podcast in the first place. Um, So that's something I care deeply about because I think it makes a difference um, in our lives and and gives us deeper meaning and wholeness and makes life better. My favorite uh, Stranger Things character I think would would have to be Dustin. <laughs> he is a good character. All right. Um, okay, my name is Heather. I am kind of a jack of all trades. I do video editing. I studied film um, in school. Well, it was actually mass communications media with a media concentration, but I just call it film school because it was basically film school. And the year after I left, they changed the name of the program to film. So (laughs) um, I am uh, passionate about stories. Um, I also am a filmmaker. I like to make my own stories. I love talking about stories and seeing how they um, correspond to our real lives. And what was the other question? Oh, who my favorite character is, right? Yes, that's right. That is such a difficult question. Um, and it really kind of depends on the season, probably. But um, I really love Hopper. I love Hop. All right. He's a good character. Very good. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. And our special guest is... Hey, everybody. My name is Caleb Isley. I am a full-time content developer. Uh, It's a flashy title. It means I make things for the internet. Um, My specific area is storytelling on social media. So Facebook, Instagram, that kind of thing. Um, I have a particular style modeled after Brandon Stanton's Humans of New York. Um, Basically just taking religious people and uh, talking about their very human sides. Uh, My favorite characters got to be 11 i know that's kind of a a stereotypical answer but um the idea of a a a girl finding just this massive amount of power and trying to figure out how to live life in spite of it and and with it uh, is really inspiring to me something i care a lot about um 
I mean, this, this podcast is perfect because I love, love exploring what's behind entertainment, right? Yeah. I, I love, I love consuming entertainment, but it's not escapism for me. Um, mm. I like, I like the truth that fiction can bring out. Um, what that means in my life, I play a lot of video games, listen to serial podcasts, um, read comic books and, and regular books and listen to audiobooks and, uh, watch movies, Netflix, all of it very much a part of my regular life. And, um, I'm excited to be on this show because, um, that doesn't get explored very well, uh, in a lot of the things that I do. And yet it's one of the most common parts of my daily life. Man, I uh, was going to introduce more about what your movie hour is about, but I feel like Caleb actually just laid it out there like exactly. It doesn't get explored enough. It's a it's a huge part of all of our lives. Mm. Um, media, uh, film, television. We're watching these shows. We're watching these movies. And so frequently, uh, we don't really engage them very deeply. You know, I'll have a conversation with someone. And usually when I'm talking to someone about Stranger Things season three, for example, this is how the conversation goes. Like, hey, man, did you watch Stranger Things? And they say, yeah, it was sweet. <laughs> and then I say, yeah. And that's it. Like, that's the end of our conversation. But there's so much more to unpack. There's so much there. I actually had a really great conversation with uh, the cashier at Trader Joe's <laughs> the other day where I was like going through line and he was like, how was your day? And I was like, oh, it's good. How's your day? And he's like, good. I just finished Stranger Things. Have you seen it? And I was like, yeah. And then he's like, oh my goodness, let's talk about it. And we had this like couple minute conversation <laughs> about it. Um, and that's something that's just really cool about, um, Stranger Things in particular is that, um, nowadays we don't really have what are called water cooler shows mm. um where everyone has seen it you know the night you know if the show comes on monday night or whatever and then everyone just stands around talking about it the next day we don't really do that because you know with streaming you just kind of watch it when you can or when you want to sometimes you binge it all at once and so we actually have less of these conversations where we're talking about the things behind the story and the themes and the character arcs we have less of those conversations now even though we watch a lot more media than we did before mm. because everyone's kind of watching at their own pace and stuff so that's something i'm really excited about with this podcast is we're kind of trying to bring that water cooler talk back yeah. and stranger things i feel like is one of those shows that pretty much everyone watches like uh, like so many people watch everyone has their kind of pet shows because there's like something like 500 shows on uh, network and cable nowadays and streaming services but most like a lot of people have seen stranger things so i'm that excited about this conversation that is true um so there's a lot more to say obviously about this um and the the bigger things behind but let's let's uh, actually dive into the conversation and really see where it takes us the way that we're going to do this is um we will talk about big ideas themes topics uh scenes that were poignant um in a show or in a movie or in this case in a in an entire season we're trying to cover in just a, a matter of minutes here um and here is your warning this is this is it 
there will be spoilers. Absolutely. We are assuming that you have seen all of Stranger <laughs> Things season three. If you're riding in the car, listening to this podcast with someone who hasn't, stop because they will be mad with you in just a few <laughs> minutes. Um, we are we are not promising anything. We will talk about things in the very last minutes of the very last episode if it comes up. There will be spoilers. Um, but yeah, so we'll talk about some big themes, some some big ideas, things that were meaningful to us, each of us, the individuals um, here in this conversation, and uh, totally invite you uh, to, to give your feedback, to comment, uh, to engage, to share even, you know, what are some of those big ideas, big themes for you from Stranger Things. So uh, let's, let's jump right in. Uh, I started off the introductions, so uh, Heather, how about you get us going? What's the theme? Okay, so one cool thing about this season is Billy's arc. And of course, we have the main arc, um, which is present day Billy, where he kind of starts out as a jerk and then moves throughout the season to a place of self-sacrifice and love in the end. But there's also a second arc, like a mini arc, that mirrors that, and that's when he's a child. He starts out being this loving, fun kid um, who loves his mom, and then due to certain circumstances, trauma, etc., feeling abandoned, he moves from that loving position to one full of hate. He's essentially a bully. And the interesting thing about this is that these two arcs mirror each other. So the main arc in present day, as he's an adult, is almost undoing the negative arc that he had when he was a child. And seeing his childhood like that really helps us to understand where he's coming from and almost have sympathy for the character of Billy. Did okay. you guys want to jump in with anything? Yeah, so... so uh, You can jump in was, whenever. It was hard for me to care about Billy for... I mean, it, they had to work really, really hard for me to care at all because he was yeah. such a repulsive character to me Yeah, for multiple reasons. Um, but I think one thing about it that maybe finally, finally made me care was that this was a person who every time he loved something, it was taken from him. Yes. He, he deeply cared about his mother and then he just over and over saw her destroyed. Um, then what little we saw of him, the one thing he loved was his freedom, mm. right? He loved just being able to be wild, be able to, to, I mean, flaunt all rules and his autonomy and his body and mind are taken from him. Yeah. Right. And so mm. I think finally that's, that's why I'm like, okay, while I still really like, I, I wouldn't want to know this person, no. obviously, <laughs> No. you know, it, it did, it made the moment where he makes a good decision and, and one based in selflessness matter yeah. to me. Um, because you actually saw somewhere in him, he had the the ability and the desire to do something that wasn't all about himself. Yeah. So something that stuck out um, to me as you were kind of describing the impact that Billy's arc had on you, uh, Heather was, um, and I hadn't made this connection until you just described it. Um, so we're introduced to Billy. In the in that we were actually introduced to Billy in one of the trailers and how he would be in this season, right? Yeah. And he is this lifeguard at the pool, 
And there are literally these moms, you know, <laughs> these middle-aged women who are, you know, sunning themselves out at the pool. Like they only go to the pool because Billy. Billy is electric. Because <laughs> Billy is there. You know, they want to see him. And uh, and they, you know, strut their stuff, so to speak. OG when, Billy fans. Yeah. When, <laughs> yes, exactly. When when Billy walks by, you know, the shift changed. Oh, they're on it, you know. <laughs> and uh, and of course, Billy Billy plays into this, um, and really sort of fans the flame of of that connection. And and in fact, he's on the way to meet, you know, one of these uh, women for a, a sexual encounter. Um, when this accident occurs yeah. that tears his autonomy from mm -hmm. him, Caleb. And um, something that, that, again, Heather, it just struck me was like, um, he loves his mom and then she's taken from him. And then he loves other people's moms. Oh no, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think about that. <laughs> like, like, maybe he has a mom. Like a mom maybe issue. maybe there is a maybe there's a, a like some sort of like psychological we we talk about father issues like mm. and that's kind of a trope. Yeah. yeah. A psychological trope in our culture. I'm not I'm not trying to be, you know, flippant about this. Yeah. Like yeah. like there is a like something was taken from me and now in my, you know, quote unquote mature, you know, manhood, like how does that like longing for motherly nurture, how does that express itself? Mm. He's not going to go snuggle up, you know, and have someone, you know, pat his head. Like, that's not what a grown man does. Well, mm. and he's learned to be a bully and to tough things out. Like, like to survive, he became a bully. You yeah. know, when you're an adult and everything, that doesn't excuse your behavior, but it makes sense. And one thing that, that you said that I just thought of is, you know, he starts out this season where he's, you know, walking across the pool and all the women are looking at him and he knows it and he likes it. He probably enjoys it every day. He enjoys people liking him and being attracted to him and stuff. He's trying to be seen. Mm. And the thing that changes him in the end when the mind flare has like taken total control of him, mm. the thing that allows him to overcome that control is that l says i see you doesn't she actually say that or like i see you or i i something like i understand you i see you yeah. and she was really the only person who could because she had actually witnessed the different events that had made him who he was she was the only person that could say i saw you in that way not even his mother who abandoned him or he feels like she abandoned her. Yeah. He couldn't even feel seen by her at this point. Well, that that scene in where they lock him in the sauna, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wonder if maybe, you know, and this is this is getting deep, but like, I wonder if like his he has this fear when when he sees his his uh, sister or adopted sister Max, yeah. um, where he's trying to get himself to the front of the line like he's trying to get his personality his voice out mm. you know to be seen by her mm -hmm. you know where where he's afraid that he, that she'll see the what's not him she'll see mm. something and and she can't see him mm. so you right? don't think that was just a trick I thought it was just a trick. I don't think. I think it was real and then oh. I think he like he was trying to push through 
and mm-hmm. then he couldn't quite do it. That's what I think. I yeah. I I think they they did a great job of overlapping where yeah. you can't tell where Billy ends and where you know the his possessor um the mind flare. Yeah, is yeah. is is controlling because he is also a manipulative person. He is also this kind of person who's like, yeah. we'll say what he needs to. Like I could even, I could see him in the season before doing the same stunt, you know, like, yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, we're friends. Right. And, and then just by, you know, switching around. Yeah. So yeah. But I, I do think that fear of like where he's like, I really want you to understand that that wasn't me. Yeah. I think that was fully him. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Me too. I agree. And uh, there's there's other times when he's you know coming to the to the surface. Heather, you were talking about a scene uh, earlier that's really stuck in your mind. Uh, yeah. So after he's been you know taken over by the mind flare or whatever, and he goes back to the pool, and his mission that the mind flare has given him and is like controlling and compelling him to do is to bring more people to the mind flare. And Mrs. Wheeler walks in. The one who he was going to meet the night before. Yeah. And she is actually, like, she is caring for him. That I think that's a very interesting thing. It's like, she does care about him more than just, like, for fun. Yeah, he's not just eye candy. Like, she didn't need to talk to him. She could have, like never talk to him ever again but she goes in there and she talks to him and is trying to explain herself so that he doesn't feel bad or whatever and he has this vision right of like turning around and hitting her and her slamming Mm. into the wall and this is before we really understand anything of what's going on and so when you see that you're like uh what and we don't even know that he's kind of like lost like something has is controlling him and he resists that. Hmm. He, and not only does he resist that, but he tries to protect her. He's like, don't ever talk to me again. Hmm. And that to me, like in, in hindsight of seeing the whole season and how Billy's arc ended, that scene became so much more important and like amazing to me to show more of Billy and um, yeah, that's just like a great scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one, one final thing before we jump to Caleb and his, his big idea, um, you know, as, as you were talking Heather too, I thought about how like, um, like he is coping violently. Billy is coping violently um, with his past with being abandoned by his mother who abandoned them because of the abusiveness of his father and then continually being abused by his father. Right. And so um, he learned to bully from his dad and he started acting that out so that he could be a man so that he could be enough so that whatever. And um, I think that that's really how like most of our broken behavior um, comes from at least in, in my mind, as I, as I consider like the biblical story, um, like we act in broken ways, um, not because we're trying to be bad, um, but because we're trying to be good. Um, and we really don't know how. Um, and so 
violence or evil or, or badness or whatever, like it springs out of us. Um, and, and I see that again in the way that he, um, responded to Mrs. Wheeler, you know, like he, he didn't say like, Oh, you know, thank you for caring so much about me and trying to have this conversation, you know, or something like that. Like he still pushes her aside. He still says, never talk to me again. He's still, you know, but he's dealing with all this brokenness inside of him Mm. and he's dealing with it in a broken way because he's trying to be good. Um, and that was, um, as you talked about that, Heather, that was just really poignant to me. I know we want to move on from Billy, but there's one more thing I want to say about that. Um, it's really interesting contrasting Billy and Will because they were both kind of like taken over by the mind flare. Like Will in season two, he has this connection with the mind flare thing. It's not the same, but um, it's very similar. So there are these two characters that have had this happen to them. And obviously, we don't get to see how Billy would have adjusted his life if he had been able to be separated from the Mind Flayer and everything. But when we look at how Billy um, reacted responding to the uh, the abuse and the abandonment he had as a child, this traumatic event that happened when he was a child, he turned into a bully. Will, I imagine, felt abandoned even though no one um, abandoned him on purpose or anything, he felt, I'm sure, abandoned by people because he was alone in season one when he was stuck in the uh, Upside Down. But his, uh, the way that he deals with his pain, the way that he deals with his trauma is just so different from Billy's. Um, And I just, I think that's interesting. We don't Mm. need to like jump into that a lot more, but something for you to chew on. Yeah. Cool. And they're both named potentially William. Oh, I didn't yeah. even think of that. Uh, I don't know. Will, Bill, Billy. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Maybe. Sure. Yeah. Maybe they meant to. Caleb, you're yeah. up. Yeah. So I think my biggest draw to the show was only accelerated by season three. Season three was like, I mean, done so well for me. I like creepy things, right? I like... Um, I especially like shows set where I grew up in Indiana. Um, there's a lot that they did with the sets and things that really, really, uh, remind me of, of just weird stuff I stumbled on as a kid. Just, you know, they have old school buses in the background and just random stuff that Mm. remind me of it. But, but really stranger things to me, the biggest draw is the fact that you have, uh, children or, or people uh, who are not in power or authority who discover the truth first. And it takes a long time before everyone starts to catch on to what's going on. And I love, and I feel like there's so much to learn from watching how they deal with that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, we start out, I think the, the first real thing that, that pricked my interest so much was um, the scenes with Nancy and Jonathan where, uh, I mean, Nancy has, has reasons to want to get ahead, um, to, to prove, you know, these misogynistic bosses and these awful, awful people. Like she wants to prove herself as, as anyone growing up does. Um, but what it becomes is so much more than that. It's, it's not just a a personal thing, but 
um, she's discovering a truth that that is a life or death thing for all of the people that she loves. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this theme, um, you know, it, it continues on where uh, Jonathan is confronted with the same facts and he is afraid of losing his job. He's afraid. Uh, he even says, like, not everybody has can afford to to pursue the truth. Yeah. The car conversation yeah. now. In, in anyone working in a religious space, we know this situation, right? We know when you're convicted of something that is either something going wrong with your superiors or um, something that you think is abusive about religion, you're faced with, you know, do I choose my livelihood or do I choose the truth? Mm. And we see two different things, but ultimately... Um, one contributes to helping save lives and, and, I mean, do the heroic right thing. And one, thankfully, he's convinced to do the right thing, but he doesn't choose it. He wants his own security first, and he has good reason. But at the same time, you know, it, it, what did it matter ultimately, like if, if he died, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and you see this with the Stranger Things kids so often um, you see Eleven in uh, this kind of limbo, right, where she's learning the truth and doesn't have the words to express the truth. She's the first person who sees Billy over the the, the body of Heather. That's true. Right? And, yeah. and she sees it and, and she's talking to Max and Max is like, oh, well, they were probably doing something or, you know, she, she's almost intentionally misunderstanding the truth. But Eleven knows the truth and you can tell that she's, she never lets go of it, right? She's always in each of her conversations, she's just like gauging how much she can try to discuss it with people who will be receptive. Yeah, and how much they will listen to, yeah. And and even Joyce. Right. Um, you have it's not just kids, but but people who don't have power. Yeah. Right. She goes to the police. She goes to. You would think that people would listen to Joyce. now. You would think or like even Jonathan, you would think after everything his brother has gone through mm. that he would be like, oh, maybe like there is another bad thing happening and we need to stop it. But sometimes our like scarcity mindset of like don't rock the boat like don't pay attention like keep your blinders on like because you don't want to know what it is you don't want to know that billy is like hurting someone you don't want to know that the rats are an indicator of something very bad yeah yeah but this this choice where the consequences of you know, uh, within their small understanding, being disobedient to your parents or the law or, you know, generally we look at these things and we're like, you have to do what you're told. If an authority figure tells you the right thing is to obey, okay, but they're faced with some life or death consequence where the right thing is to disobey. Mm. And and I love that concept because it's such a powerful, relevant uh, especially within the religious context, choice that we have to make. Mm. Um, and thankfully, in the Bible, we have examples of people with these choices, right? Where it's like they're told, you know, kill the Hebrew babies, mm. right? And they don't. 
but it's the the, the right thing uh, that people would would think first is just do as you're told. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Follow the rules. Yeah. Keep your head down. Yeah. And it, it mm-hmm. just speaks to seeking the truth. If that is your guiding principle, if that is your number one priority, um, you know, you can try to keep the rules as much as possible, not create problems as much as possible. But if your guiding principle is seeking truth, sometimes that even means that you're going to be disobedient. Yeah. I know that this is uh, like slightly different, um, but I thought about it as you were talking about L. I think that another interesting dynamic with L is that she's also um, she's also learning so much mm. that like she literally doesn't know, mm-hmm. you know. So like when it's not it's not like you know oh I saw someone doing something awful and I know that it's awful. Like Max is her educator into womanhood. She's not. She she really does seem not sure. It's like she has this gut feeling. She's like, yeah. but they weren't. You know, she says they weren't happy screams. Like she, yeah. she, yeah. she recognizes there's this gut feeling that something is wrong, but she's unsure because she's told, "Oh, it's probably fine." And for Elle's existence in this world since since season one, she, because of her upbringing, she has been being educated by these people. Like she doesn't know. Um, she doesn't know the words to say. She doesn't know how to dump someone. Yeah. So she dumps someone exactly the same way Max would. <laughs> you know, like she is learning language. Like how do you discern truth when you don't even have language mm. for it? Well, I think I think what's amazing about her is the fact that other people do know more than her, right? They, they She wouldn't know how to take care of a garden, for example. She wouldn't know how to fix a car, for example. Other people do know those things, and yeah, she does informational it. knowledge. So she's not the person who knows everything, but she knows something that other people don't. That's that's what I love is, you know, the she is the authority on her experience. Mm-hmm. She's authority on this this piece of truth she's she's following, even though everyone else may know more overall than her. Uh, she's right about this, and she mm-hmm. has to hang on to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Very good. Man, I I uh I love it. I'm going to transition into mine. I know that there's we could talk we could talk for an hour about any one of these themes and and we came up with even more that we're not able to discuss on the podcast today. But who knows, maybe maybe there will be a chance in the future. Um but my theme just really quick that I that I thought was really powerful um, in this season especially is this concept of of the need for change and that change needs to happen uh, you may want things to remain comfortable you may want things to remain the same um, but but change is, is important and you see this kind of demonstrated throughout um, you start out and things are very different the boys are taller at the start of season three than they were at the end of season two. People are dating, you know, a relationship that was just in its most nascent form at the end of, of season two between, you know, uh, different characters now has, has developed. And uh, it's... To the point where, like, the dad is like, we have got to have a conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Keep the door exactly. open three inches. Three inches. Yeah. And, uh, and so there's change 
in these relationships they're they're dating now they're more mature now in a way um and there's there's relational change then between the group how the group relates to each other the the fact that when dustin comes back from camp he thinks that his friends aren't there for him he thinks Mm. that they don't care about him like that would have never happened at the start of season one like he would never have doubted you know that his friends would be there but there's been all this change and an interesting thing about that too is that even though his friends are there for him uh, at least initially, you know, they throw the party for him or whatever. They kind of like ditch him and then yeah. he goes and he hangs out with Steve <laughs> and that, you know, it makes sense with how much time Dustin and Steve spent in season two. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Like the, the season does start right off the bat with a lot of change. Like I remember watching that and seeing that Ellen and Mike were like really into each other. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I'm kind of glad that they, you know, had us enter when they were kind of in the middle of their relationship instead of having a plot mm-hmm. point be like, oh, the beginning of their relationship or whatever. It just, it was nice to just jump in there. And it was like, you could feel that there was all this change that happened in the eight months or whatever since we had seen them all. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's that change. Um, and then, of course, as we come to the end of the season, and this is where, you know, I think it's, it's most obvious, it's most clear that, that this change is a, um, this is something that the, that the writers, <laughs> that mm. the, the message of the show um, is, is really embedded, um, is, I mean, Hopper's letter, mm. you know, to L, you know, what, what he says to her the recognition you're growing up the difficulty that that is the recognition that you're in these relationships but but he's still wanting three inches you know he needs <laughs> he needs something to be the same he's struggling with this and yet it's this letter that segues into his absence very and well. that emotional opening up is very different for hop too yes mm-hmm. yeah and and then uh and this is probably the the most significant thing and we think about like the story of the show and the arc of the show as we enter season four and who knows how long um but there's a tremendous amount of of change the the geographical grounds of the story are is changing we were introduced to a, a place in russia um mm. that now all of a sudden is important for some reason we're we're introduced uh and now it's it's still kind of vague, but you know the family is is moving away. You know, Will yeah. and Jonathan and Elle are leaving Hawkins. You know, they're they're going away. And are are Jonathan and Nancy gonna be able to survive this distance um, mm-hmm. as they you know launch in their careers? Are are uh, uh, the boys' friendships with each other? going to be able to last as as will especially who's been a little divergent from the other guys in the way that they're growing up um as he goes away um l and mike are they going to be able to stick it out um and then of course hopper is gone Hmm. like like everything has been ruptured in in this show like there is there is change season four cannot be the same they can't just like jump in and be like well we move back like that that's not going to happen i i wager it's really interesting like you know we start off the season and there are some things that have changed in very real ways and we're like ah so much has changed but then in the middle of the season you know as the 
antagonist kind of comes into view as the mind flare and we understand what's going on there it's almost like nothing has changed like we thought things were had changed mm. but then this villain is back again wreaking havoc um but then at the end of the season everything has changed like you said johnny like hop is gone possibly dead um the buyers are moving away ella's moving away um there's there's so many things that that feel different and and are different and so it's like a little bit of change and then like a lot of change sandwich this kind of question in the middle of like but do things ever really change Mm-hmm. like even the like there are very different things about the villain and it's escalated um because he's existing somewhat in the real world and that's new but it all comes from the same place mm. and these kids are still having to deal with this after however many years and, and that just gets even deeper with the ending right mm-hmm. there's an otherworldly force out there it's a danger to humanity people don't know how the heck to deal with it and they just somehow, by the stroke of luck and Elle's powers, <laughs> are able to defeat it. And and it ends with the danger being back again. Yeah. You know, you see it's not quite taken care of. Yeah. 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 Well, so, and I guess this is another thing. I mean, you just mentioned Elle's powers, but towards the end, she can't, she's having trouble using them. Yeah, Elle's powers are That's gone at the end. That's a huge change. I didn't even think of that. But, like, she, like... This is a an enormous change. Like she was not the one that saved the day, you know. And we don't know if her powers will ever return and one thing that has been constant for her is that she has this ability. And yeah. she's learned how to use it for her survival and and everything. And now and she to doesn't spy on her ex-boyfriend <laughs> when he's being Like I said, survival. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> And so she doesn't have, you know, these powers, this safety blanket even. Um, and her father is now gone. Hopper is gone. And she has, you know, the buyers who love her and will take care of her. But things are very up in the air for her. Um, that is a huge change. And how how are they going to solve whatever the big mystery is defeat the big baddie of next season if Elle doesn't have her powers Mm. you know I'm I my uh my guess is that she'll she'll get them back but that's you know that's a huge change it's like at the end of the season everything is totally different yeah okay so we've talked about some themes um but again we want to um not just explore stuff um, not just massage our minds, but also think about how does this um, apply? How does this relate? How do we get meaning for our lives um, as we engage um, this cinematic experience? Uh, so, and and Caleb, I'll let you start. Uh, what what are you taking away? Yeah, I think you know, going back to um, people who are not in power. Uh, seeking truth. I think the really important thing here is this struggle of trying to figure out what you know and what you don't. Mm-hmm. Okay, because um, within, within I think, 
younger Adventism and, and younger religious spaces, uh, you either have people who are subservient to the views that, that have been put on them. They're just trying to do what they're told, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's a survival thing. Or you also have the opposite where it's like kind of like Will with Hopper in the beginning where he just had this attitude like, I know everything, like I'm in control. You have no power. Like I'm, I rule and then gets put in his place awfully. Yeah. Right. Oh, Mike. Mike. Yeah. Okay. Did I, what did I say? Will? I think you said Will. Oh, no, yeah. not Will. Mike. <laughs> um, yeah, but the, the scene with Hopper and, and Mike where he's just... Yeah, he's making fun of him at first. That's a yeah. great scene. <laughs> but, but you really have sort of this kind of thing going on where it's like we feel like we've figured it out, but we haven't been faced with the, practica- the practical responsibilities mm. that mm. shaped the people before us, mm-hmm. right? So I think... There is a, there is something too, like we are able to see certain things that are wrong. Mm. And I think we're correct in that, right? They they truly are wrong. And uh, we get stuck where it's like, we feel like we see it and we can't do anything. Mm -hmm. Like all we have is just the ability to talk. Yeah. Right. Like we aren't the ones in, in uh, government authority or religious authority. We aren't the, the, the overall leaders or we're just coming into it where we haven't established ourselves. Um, and yet we, we see that there is something disastrous coming or there are people getting hurt or something is going on that is wrong that we have to uh, pursue the truth, right? We, we have to do something. And no matter what we're told, we still see it. We still have to keep, you know, it, it's not solved by just being like, oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. You we, know, we're just going to. We can't walk away. We can't walk away. We can't unsee yeah. what we've seen. Um, but on the other hand, I think, you know, there's something beautiful about the fact that, that Hopper and Joyce are such integral parts of this whole process. They're people who they, they eventually see the truth um, at different times and different levels, mm-hmm. um, and they join in and they have specific skills that the others don't have from their position of power, from their authority, from just being a person who has a driver's license. You know what I mean? Like they use the tools they have and they're so, so important to solving it um, once they're also able to see the truth. Um, and And so I think in in our faith, like what's important is that we don't lose sight of the truth. We're not scared out of pursuing the truth, but we also allow people to come alongside us and lend the tools that they have and the experience that they have um, whenever and wherever it doesn't hinder that mission, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and if anything, it can probably be the thing that makes the mission more complete. Mm. What I uh, one of the things that I love about that, Caleb, especially in some of your, in some of your work, like, I think that that is a theme even of your life. Mm. There's a theme of your existence. This idea of, um, you know, helping people express their truth, like yep. what they see, their piece of the pie of the puzzle of the whatever analogy or illustration you want to use, you know, and. Um, and you interact with that so so openly and graciously, and I love, um, I love that about what you do, and and to um, engage that more deeply, that's awesome. 
um, for me, uh, this the the thing that really uh, jumps out to me um, from our discussion comes from from Heather's point, and I have I've I've labeled uh, Heather's theme uh, Billy Triumph of Love <laughs> um, because it it really is like you see this person who's so broken, but because someone sees him because someone understands him and by the way i mean stranger things like the the women rock season three. Oh my goodness man robin mm. l joyce i mean it's just to like, be honest like i'm pretty sure they got more women in that writer's room yeah like not that you know the female characters don't do anything in season one or two Elle is obviously a super important part of the show, but there was just something very magical about the writing this season for the women. Um, They just, it was awesome. It was awesome. My, my wife, the scene where Max is empowering Elle to be her own person outside of a relationship. It was important to me, of course, but like, I think I just watched her react and it was like a spiritual experience. It was like me too. It was for me too. Mm. Like we were sitting there and I was just like, yes, yes. (laughs) Like I was just like so excited and I felt like I was encouraging her too. It is really easy for people to identify you as a woman according to your significant other or um how attractive you are or you know all those things and it's really hard to find who you are um even when you're not someone who is like a russian orphan who was taken (laughs) to a facility and like kept there for years and they did experiments on her like it's still hard and you know i'm approaching 30 and I feel like I'm still picking apart the things people have told me about who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm still figuring out, even though I'm a Christian and I believe my identity is not in what other people say about me, but it's in God. It's still so hard because there's so much commentary on women from the wider Mm -hmm. culture, from media, from magazines, from, from all those things. And so, yeah, that scene was really great. And when Elle went up to Mike and dumped him (laughs) and said that phrase, like, I just, I died. I love that. I was so proud of Elle. Even though, of course, I want Mike and Elle to end up together. (laughs) He just needed to learn. She took took a lot of power into herself in that. Yeah. Yeah. So... All that to say, it looks like we have another thing we need to explore. But... um, I, um, like it really was a triumph of love, like her taking the excruciating effort and she had mixed motivations. She was trying to save her life. You know, it wasn't everyone's lives and everyone's lives. She wasn't just being, you know, altruistic in a, in a sense here, but you know, like she took the time to see him and that seeing of him, seeing someone who is broken and looking past the violent ways of coping, looking past someone who was actively trying to kill her. Yeah. That takes a lot. That, that takes (laughs) amazing fortitude and amazing graciousness. And, um, I mean, if I'm, if I'm being honest, I think that, um, myself 
um, and maybe others in my profession, dare I say, um, have not always done a stellar job um, of of offering that kind of compassion, of offering that kind of graciousness um, to people. And so I just, I come away being very inspired by Elle um, and the triumph of love uh, that that was worked in Billy's life. And like, man, I, I want to be a pastor like that. Um, I want to be a person like that who looks past when I see people who are broken, who doesn't just say, you're messed up, get out, or, mm. you know, I'll fight you back, you know, but who reaches in more deeply? Heather? Uh, I mean, in my own life, as I've gotten older, I have begun to look below the surface um, when people cause harm. You know, someone doesn't just wake up one day and decide I'm gonna like be a jerk. (laughs) There are things that brought them to that. Some of those things are within their control and some of them are not. Um, To go on like a little tangent talking about the same theme of um, love triumphs. Billy, triumph of love. Triumph of love. Like Hopper in this season, I know at the beginning of the episode here I said that Hopper is my favorite character. I actually kind of hated him this season. (laughs) Ooh, there's Um, a twist. (laughs) He was like kind of a jerk and a scary person. He was alcoholic. He was super... Um, petty <laughs> with Joyce uh-huh. L as well you know he I, I was on Joyce's side he should have had that emotional conversation <laughs> instead of like that scary one with Mike even though it was like a great comedic moment and Mike really kind of needed someone to lay down the law but Hopper just did not know how to deal with his emotions and he dealt with them in terrible ways he was drinking so much this season and there were times when he was kind of aggressive even yet we know Hopper and we love Hopper, so sometimes it's easier for us to look below the surface than someone like Billy. Mm. But um, there's some things there that make that make sense. You know, he feels like he's losing Elle. He's not able to spend time with her because she's always hanging out with her boyfriend. He loves Joyce, and he wants to be there for her and support her and like have a relationship with her but she's not quite there yet he feels this loss of control and he deals with it in really bad ways ultimately the old hop comes out and not that the way to like fix men is to love them ladies (laughs) don't don't think that's what i'm saying but there's this moment where he you know has gone into the russian underground under the mall thing because he loves l He's like, I'm going to put aside my frustration with her, whatever. He loves Elle. He loves these people. He's doing the right thing. This is old hop is coming out of, uh, you know, his funk. Hibernation. (laughs) Hibernation. And Joyce and Hop are underground and they're just waiting. And then, you know, the scene where Joyce is like, maybe we should do dinner at Enzo's. He responds very well to that. He feels loved in that. Like, that's just really powerful. You know, he didn't. He had been really mean to Joyce the whole time, um, and he didn't deserve that, but it kind of, I don't know, it created this resolution and closure between the two that I think was really important for how the um, season ended. And so that's kind of what I come back to. Why do people act the way that they do? I think some people are just not good people, (laughs) but a lot of people have reasons. They have trauma. They have, you know, talking about Hopper again, 
he lost his first daughter. And L is his second daughter. And he's losing her. He feels like he's losing her in a different way. You know, there are reasons behind why he's acting the way he is, even though it's really unhealthy and not advised. Don't do that. <laughs> um, and so that's my takeaway is, like, I just need to practice taking a step back when people hurt me um, and think about what's behind that. And maybe I can reach them and connect with them and solve problems and create healing by understanding that. Well, okay. and the, the results of these things, the you have several redeemed people, right? Mm-hmm. But the results are totally different, right? So, yes, Billy, Hopper, even Steve, um, Jonathan in a way. Yeah. Um, all of these different people are sort of, They've done something that is negative and then things turn around and they kind of earn back the trust or earn back goodness, Mm -hmm. right? But the results are very different. You know, one of them is completely obliterated. Two of them, you know, depending on how the next season goes, potentially two. Uh, One of them continues his life just fine. One of them um, moves on potentially without his girlfriend, you know? So I think like what you're saying too is... Um, or if I picked up on this, like loving men doesn't change, you it's know, is it the way to change them. them? Yeah. Like, like they're, they, when we're ministering to people, you can work toward their redemption without expecting that it's going to end the same way for everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. People still have to deal with the consequences of how their life has played out yeah. and everything. Um, they're, they're separate. Yeah. And sometimes redemption for these characters was they're done yeah you know which is like when we want to redeem people we see them a certain way that that we want them to um live up to and achieve and they don't always do that Hmm. sometimes they're not redeemed and sometimes they just aren't around anymore yeah Man, you guys, this has been deep. We will do it again. Uh, But we're going to end with the lightning round. The question on all of our minds in 30 seconds answer. Is the American Hopper, yes or no, why? Heather. Uh, Okay, so obviously the, wait, you said 30 seconds. Oh, no. Okay, (laughs) we're supposed to think it's Hopper. I think it's Dr. Brenner, who's still Mm. alive, I believe. Okay, Caleb. I don't think the writers know. Okay. I think they left it open for Hopper. They want us to think it's Hopper. And if there's a great fan theory on how Hopper survived, they'll take it. All right. I think that it is Hopper because they can't take it from us. (laughs) I won't allow it. It has to be Hopper. It must be for my emotional health. It has to be Hopper. That's why authors and writers and Stranger Things, that is why. (laughs) Using my extra seconds of time, (laughs) I do believe Hopper is alive, but I think that he is in the upside down. And I think that season four will be rescuing Hopper from the upside down. Ooh. You guys can't see this, but Caleb just had a very visceral reaction. (laughs) It It could happen. Because Hopper... Stranger Things writers, (laughs) I hope you're listening right now. This is good stuff. I'm available for hire. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. I, they can't kill Hopper. I know Hopper's alive, but I don't think he's the American. 
I guess we'll see. Friends, it's been deep. It's been awesome. Even this a little has been upside down, maybe. Even a little <laughs> upside down in moments. I tried to say a strange pun and it didn't. It just, I can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's how it goes. So there's so much more we could talk about with Stranger Things Season 3, but we have to wrap up the episode. So we encourage you to check out our Facebook group. Just go on to Facebook and search Your Movie Hour Community. And, you know, post your thoughts on uh, this episode and feel free to answer the questions that Johnny asked earlier in the episode. Also, we would love it if you would subscribe and rate and review our podcast so others can find us. And if you're interested in supporting us, you can check us out on Patreon. This has been your movie hour. See you next time. We hope this podcast has been more than just another strange thing. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, this is your movie hour.